Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What do you think it is about Vaughn Miller that's allowed him to be so consistent for so long through age and injury? He's Vaughn Miller. You know, um, some guys are aliens visiting from another planet. You know, um, and that's just the reality of it. Man, in the National Football League, man, you got to respect all these guys, right? They're all freaky. Um, but some guys are even freaky in our setting. BFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Good morning. It's a Wednesday. You know, I noticed something there from Mike Tomlin. What? Losing games makes him a little, a more little loose. softer around the edges, right? doesn't it? Well, coaches play that angle sometimes, right? That was always like the Bill Parcells angle. When he, when he won, he was tough on the team. He was a little more curt and short with the media. When they lost, he loved the team up and you know, got to the press conference a few minutes earlier and talked shop and, and BSed with the guys a little bit. I do think there's a little bit something there to that, Mike. And the losing quite possibly will continue. Three straight losses for the Steelers. They have a trip to Buffalo this weekend. Uh oh. This was something that I saw noted by Shefty last night via one of the researchers at ESPN. For the first time since the merger, the Steelers are 14 point underdogs in a it's game. Pretty crazy. They're the last team to be a 14-point underdog. The closest they came was Super Bowl 30. I had forgotten this. 13.5-point underdogs to the Cowboys in that game. Lost by 10, although it was still a fairly close Way game. Way closer in the second than that. Half. Right. Yeah, remember the onside kick that almost worked, or did it yeah, work? Yeah, it, it, it did work. It, did it was work. a big call, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but they still weren't able to cash it in. Neil O'Donnell, the two interceptions to Larry Brown, right. as if O'Donnell was actually the quarterback of the Cowboys that day. That's how bad they were, but... Uh, yeah, the Steelers, 14-point underdogs in a place where they went last year and won as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. Losing streak likely going to four this weekend. Then the Bucks. they still have the Dolphins and Eagles coming up before their bye. Eesh. So Mike Tomlin, kinder and gentler and less curt 
and less demanding and more friendly because he needs friends now. When you're losing football games as a head coach in the NFL, you need all the friends that you can get. We appreciate all our friends out there watching on Peacock Series XM85, listening, not watching, obviously, Sky Sports NFL. Tape delay today. For some reason, we're live on Fridays for the foreseeable future, Chris. I don't think they trust you. Maybe not. I don't think they they (laughs) trust you. It's the Sims effect. They only put them live on Friday when Sims is not there because we're not sure. But that shouldn't be the case because I think if we tallied up swears on the show over the last few weeks, you're you're the winner in that department. I mean, you you've been throwing them around more than anybody. Yeah, yeah, yes, you definitely are. So it's actually shocking to people around here in the, the office. You know, you're not here at the office, but I have people all the time now, kind of coming up and like, man, Mike just lets it fly now. I mean, Mike Mike's overtaking your position for you know top swear guy there. So yeah, man, you know they that that's that's false. That's a bad, what do I want to say? It's a bad stigma they're putting on me, if that's the case. <laughs> but I can be trusted when it's live to reel in the language. You can't be trusted when it's live. <laughs> well, so that's the difference. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there is. Yeah, there's been a few times that I've had them slip out once or twice. But now I don't have to worry about that. Who, who gives a shit if it slips out or anything? It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I assume that anyone listening on the podcast hears the profanity un adulterated and unremoved i have gotten a few emails from people who like the more loose and real talk and i've gotten some emails from some people who don't like it but my position was is and always will be that real life is rated r this is how people actually talk you know i've been reading lately the oral history of saturday night live it's been around for a while the book has been it really is a fascinating look back at the origins of the show and i remember watching it as a kid because what else were we going to do at 11.30 on a Saturday night? There were no other options, right? You were allowed to stay up later than usual because you didn't have school the next day. Right. And, and they were very groundbreaking, and one of the reasons they were is because they finally began to speak on TV the way people actually spoke. And it was a big deal because that's not the way people actually speak, the way that we hear people on TV. And that was why it was controversial because they said things that people – said all the time right and they broke that wall down between the pretend world of tv and the real world and we try to reside in the real world sometimes yes. yeah we do for the most part we, we keep it real that's uh we're, we we pride ourselves on that all right let's get to it then we talked about the steelers and what they face this weekend in buffalo they will be facing it with a new starting quarterback pit quarterback Kenny Pickett, the 20th overall selection in the 2022 draft, is now the starting quarterback. Let's hear more from Mike Tomlin. Let's also study his demeanor on the announcement that they are making the switch from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. We made a change in game, um, and Kenny will start this week, and I just want to talk about that for a moment. Um, We made the change. Obviously, um, Mitch's performance was a component of the decision, but not the only component of the decision. In an effort to be better, in an effort to score more points, in an effort to move the ball more fluidly, we decided to go to Kenny in, in the hopes that he would provide a spark for us. Um, you know, we felt that um, um, not only in terms of our ability to move the ball, but just in terms of energy. And so hopefully um, that's a catalyst for us as we try to move forward and change the outcome of some of these games, man. We have no reservations about what Kenny is going to be capable of in terms of our schematics. Um, 
obviously we have a level of concern about the environment we're taking them into, but you know, you have a, a level of concern about any quarterback that you take into that environment versus that defense and that venue. That's right. You could have anyone and you're going into Buffalo. You're going into that arena against that defense, against that team. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's potentially going to be a long day. But Chris, I think this is as simple as they went with Trubisky to start the season to see how it would go. Right. And now that they're one and three, there's no reason to not start playing games with Kenny Pickett and letting him develop the baptism by fire. Although next four weeks is more like baptism by blast furnace, but still you want, which is fitting, but you want to let the guy get the reps. I'm a big proponent. If you're going to use a first round pick in today's NFL on a quarterback, you better be ready to play him sooner than later. Yeah. Because if you're not, then why are you doing it? Uh, Unless you have one of these weird situations like Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love or Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers or Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, Alex Smith, for the Mahomes, mo- maybe. Yeah. Right? yeah. For, for the most part, if you're doing this, you're doing this for a reason. This isn't a luxury pick. Mahomes was a luxury pick by the Chiefs, and it worked. But usually it's a needs-based pick. We need a quarterback. Okay, you have him. You made the investment. Now get him ready and go play him. Because the more he plays now, the sooner he's going to get to his ceiling in year two and year three. And that won't be like the Trey Lance thing where now we, because of the broken ankle, we're not going to find out anything about this guy until his third NFL season. That's not the way to do it. You want to try to get your guy to his maximum level of achievement as soon as possible. And the only way to do that is live reps. I, I agree with that. That's just the, that's the side I stand on. You know, I know there is the school of thought of like the year out, you know, sit a year, sit, sit the rookie for a year. I'm with you. You know, I'm from the Peyton Manning school where I know Peyton Manning tells people all the time, like, you know, in the, if you're in the situation like you're explaining, you put him out there, you play, you let him gain a little experience. Hey, look at, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Here they are. Would they be the same if Trevor Lawrence was just jumping on starting quarterback, starting quarterback right now? You know, two and two? I don't know. Either way, their potential is greater because he played last year and he's seen more and he's more comfortable. It's not going to be perfect, but yeah, that's just where I stand. And then with this, like this case specifically, Mike, I'm with you there in the fact of you know what the, the big thing is. I think Tomlin said it. Energy one, Kenny Pickett, Pickett brings to the team. There's no question about that. The other thing is is like you said, the future of the franchise. This is the the bigger play, the better play for for growth for the football team. You know, going into 2023 and for right now, 2022, I think the last thing is just that there's no negative. What's the negative anymore? You're one in three. The quarterback hasn't played great. You know, the quarterback Trubisky has made mistakes and hasn't taken advantage of maybe some big plays that were out there to be had. Oh, wait, the rookie does that too. Okay. Well, then why would we not want to play him? And again, I think we saw things about his game the other day where, Hey, he just belongs. He's very smooth. He's comfortable. He made a few plays with his legs, threw some accurate passes, and I think it is the right play for the Steelers long-term and I think even right now in the, in the immediate, right now here, the present, just because it's the right thing for their football team to get, maybe get a little spark and get them going in the right direction. I never really thought of it this way, Chris, but this is the flip side of the tanking 
analysis. Sometimes teams will take their foot off the gas to best position themselves to get the young quarterback who could become a franchise guy. And then once you have him, you kind of have to take your lumps with him to craft that that clay pot yeah. into whatever he's going to be. And that may mean like the Cowboys in 1989 when Troy Aikman finally got on the field, they kind of threw in the towel and went 1-15. The 98 Colts, as you mentioned, 3-13 and with Peyton Manning setting the record that still stands for rookie interceptions. What happened in 99? 13-3. Hey, the three. Colts are contenders. What is this sorcery? The Colts are contenders. I remember that vibe. Like, the Colts aren't supposed to be contenders, and they were contenders every year after that until the year that Peyton Manning missed because of four neck surgeries. Right. So you, you, you pay the price to get the guy, whether you try to or not, and then you pay the price once you have the guy because he needs that year kind of – an apprenticeship, but he's also the the guy. I mean, there's no one he's really learning from. No, there's he's just no, learning on right, the job. Right. You just learn on the job, and you either get there or you don't. And that's what we find out. And Chris, Chris, let's just assume he stinks because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right. Let's assume this losing streak continues, and the Steelers are in position next year to get one of the guys coming out that, you know, I mean – we know how unexciting the quarterback class was for 22 and how much more exciting it is for 23. Right. They're going to be in a, they're going to be in a little bit of a pickle there. They're going to be a little bit of a quandary. We got the local guy we took that, you know, we end up going 3 and 14 if that happens. Yeah, I, I still you. don't I still can't see that happening right. for the Steelers. Me neither. What do you what do you what do you do if you got a top 5 pick and one of those guys is there? That I'm not saying they need to answer that now, but that that that's looming as a potential outcome if Kenny Pickett can't give this team the spark that it needs. And maybe that's the answer to the question. You know, the fans right now love Kenny Pickett, but if they go 3-14, and 14, they may not love him as much anymore. And they may be saying, yeah, get us one of these franchise guys. Sorry, Kenny, we love you. You can just be the backup for three years. Well, I mean, listen, I think that for that to happen, I mean, things would have to really crumble. And it'd have to be play and a guy that we have yet to see. I mean, I think we could – you know, we've already seen enough in the fact that, like, he belongs. There's no doubt about that. Do I expect it to be perfect? Absolutely not. Do I expect him to throw probably another dumb interception like he did, you know, towards the end of the game to give the Jets a chance to go down and score the touchdown again this year? Yeah, I do expect him to throw one of those. I mean, that's going to happen. It's, ex- it's experience. It's getting used to life in the NFL. You know, throws like this on game day when the guys are going, you know, a hundred percent, Chase Claypool. You think, oh wait, in practice, I just had to throw it smooth, forty-five yards, throw it out there. Wait, no, Claypool's got the afterburners on in a game day setting with the de- the defense and the intensity and all the emotions going. Oh, I got to throw that ball fifty-five yards. There's just things like that that he'll have to learn and process and put together. Mistake you see here on the screen here. Yeah, it's a rookie mistake, but you know, I think like. I think the one thing we do is we can feel good so far about, hey, look, and they got something here. I don't, even, I don't even think it could get to the point to look at it to go, oh, it's so bad, right? We might have to abs- actually take a quarterback next year. I mean, again, we've seen enough preseason football, him executing, moving the team down the field. We see, I think, 
you know, constant control and consistency with the football as far as spirals, accuracy. And we've seen some advanced stuff as far as in the pocket, making the right check or in the pocket, pressure around him and making throws with people in his face like we saw to Fryer move down the middle in this football game where has to throw it before he wants to and he puts it on the money. So, you know, again, I would be shocked by those developments, I guess, is, is what I'm really saying. And so far, he's given us nothing but really positives and things that we like about his football game. One of the fun facts of week four, every pass that he threw was caught. Just three of them were caught by members right. of the Jets. Right. Nothing ever hit the ground. And look, he didn't have first team reps going into the game against the Jets. Maybe one of the reasons why we saw Tomlin being a little more relaxed, that stress in the building is now gone. I would think Because so. there were people who wanted Pickett, and he was being stubborn about Trubisky. Whether it was him or whether it was Art Rooney II and Tomlin was just the one who was carrying out the order, regardless, there was, I don't want to say a mutiny, but there was definitely a sense of discontent, as I heard it, within the organization, that they hadn't turned the page to pick it because Trubisky wasn't getting it done. And again, that Thursday night game from week three was the worst possible outcome for the Steelers. They lost the game, but Trubisky was doing the things he needed to do. So it was hard to bench him coming out of that game. And we heard Tomlin right after that game, I'm not thinking about a quarterback change. Trubisky's still the guy. Yeah, for another half of football 10 days later. And then it's Pickett who wasn't really prepared or as prepared as he could have been. Maybe he was mentally prepared. I'd like to know what was said to Kenny Pickett going into the game. Be ready. Study extra hard this week. Look at the playbook a little more carefully. Even if you're not getting the reps on the field, get your mental reps wherever you can. Yeah. But I, I think that, that Tomlin was kind of the last one to come around. The most important one to come around was the last one to come around. And now we'll see. Does he give the team a lift. It would be a lot different if they would have won that game. I mean, that that's the 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 giant asterisk right. on this. Yeah, I know. Me. They didn't win. Right. They were up 10 points in the fourth quarter, and they blew it to the New York Jets for crying out loud. They blew a win that would have been money in the bank as they embark on this very rocky and turbulent path with three games on the road against playoff caliber teams. The Eagles are looming. It's, it's, uh, how do they recover? Let's see how they recover from that. Let's see what they do. Hey, maybe they can shock the world in Buffalo. I remember a game four years ago when the Bills were 17 point underdogs at Minnesota and Josh Allen, then a rookie that we didn't know much about, went crazy right. jumping over guys. Remember that? We were watching right. that game. Like, what the hell? Yeah. We didn't know Josh Allen can run. We've been so obsessed with passing and passing accuracy and is it his receivers? Is it the weather? Is it this? Is it that? This guy's running all over the place, jumping over Anthony Barr literally. So uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe this is setting up just perfectly for Kenny Pickett to really prepare all week long, give them the spark they need, get the ball to these weapons they have. And, uh, and man, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of fun because we really don't know what he's going to become, and we're going to find out one week at a time. Yeah, we are. You know, I would think they warned him last week to your question, like, hey, you know, be ready. I would bet you the quarterback coach, Matt Canada, probably had a little comment. I've been in that situation before where, you know, I was sitting behind Brad Johnson, and there we were in a week three game, and he hadn't been playing that well and getting ready for that week three game. They kind of were, you know, hey, be ready. 
if it doesn't look good, you know, in the first half, we, we might we might pull Brad and come to you. I didn't get reps with the first team or anything like that, but I was very aware. And then, you know, well, there we were playing the Mike Holmgren and Matt Hasselback at a home game in Tampa Bay, and things weren't going good, and Gruden pulled the trigger and threw me in there. And, yeah, it's a tough spot to be in. I was mentally prepared, physically I felt like, oh, man, this is crazy. Whoa, these guys are big. Whoa, this is fast. This is intense. And I'm, I haven't been in this in a few weeks. And then when I was in it, it was against third and second stringers in the preseason football. So there is an adjustment there. And I think Kenny Pickett will adjust. I think the practice reps will be huge for their football team. And, hey, the one thing I know, just I think really, too, I think he's a more consistent thrower, a better passer, a pure passer than Mitchell Trubisky. He's got more clubs in his bags, right, for lack of a better way to say it. Touch, flick, you know, throw it before the guy comes out of the break. He's got great anticipation. That's the other thing we've seen. You know, standing in the pocket going, you know what, this guy's about to come open and I'll sit here and take the shot and throw it. Where Trubisky, that was one of the things I think we've talked about the last few weeks where he'd go, man, just pat the ball one more time and you might have him down the field. So I do think we'll see a better Kenny Pickett, you know, as we continue to go. I don't know if it happens this week because this is like what Mike Tomlin said. I don't care who your quarterback is. You know, we just saw this defense hold Lamar Jackson and company scoreless in the second half of a football game. So it won't be easy. Um, but the big thing too, Mike, is just the big plays, the things the receivers were complaining about. I'm, I'm interested to see if he delivers or the offense delivers more in that department now that he's in the game. I think that's one thing to watch out for. I know he'll hit all the short and intermediate throws. Well, one of the freaks at the receiver position is going to be single covered on every play. Right. Right? So just throw it to the guy. Get it close and let him go get the ball, whether it's George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson – one of those guys is going to be in a favorable matchup. It's a question of identifying which one, buying enough time to get him the football. I'm curious about something. Yeah. When Brad Johnson gets the hook and you go in, right? What do you like? Avoid eye contact with him. Do you do you give him that little impish smirk that you have from time to time? Do you make a snarky comment? Do you try to? Do you? Yeah. You know, what 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 did you do? Well, I was like, it had to be awkward. I, well, it is awkward. It is, but I, I couldn't have been in a better situation as far as like the human that was starting in front of me at the moment, Brad Johnson. He was very realistic. He understood. He was, you know, very helpful in my development. Always, never jealous or worried about me. I think saw my talent and always kind of, you know, gave me gave me props for that. And I really did. So when that moment came, I mean, during that week, I didn't say anything. I just kept my head down and went to work. And then when the moment came during the game, you know, he hadn't played well. I think he, he knew that this was a real possibility that this might happen. And when Gruden called my name, I mean, I, I don't even think I looked at Brad. I was doing like, oh, gosh, plays. Holy crap, I'm nervous. I'm about to play in a football game against the Seattle Seahawks here. And I just had to go about my business, really. And, you know, when I came in the next day, it was all good. Brad was great that way. I mean, he couldn't have been a better, like, role model for a young quarterback to be playing under. And it certainly was not personal. It was just business. And I think he knew that. And, of course, I knew that growing up in the sport, you know, watching my dad all the years, too. Well, if Brad Johnson saw your talent, now I know why he was struggling. He needed glasses. Hello! <laughs> boom. Boom. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, it's funny that I can say that to you. Number one, that I'm not there with you. Yeah, so you right. can't put the giant claw on my head and crush it like a grape. But you're, <laughs> you're a good sport about that kind of stuff because you know I don't mean it. 
It's all good. I I, I get it. Yeah, Uh, it's fun. (laughs) No, I don't mean it unless I do. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, let's pivot to them. Yeah. Dr. Jerry Jones doing his (laughs) twice-per-week appearances on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He was at it again yesterday, and they've got this weird balance because he's kind of found a Tony Romo. Not that Cooper Rush is ever going to be as good as Tony Romo was, but there are comparisons. An undrafted guy who comes in and just wins football games and leads the team and stabilizes things. And, wow, I found him. I'm the owner. I'm the GM. I found him. So you take some pride in your discovery, and you kind of want to see what it becomes. And now you got Dak Prescott with his thumb, and can he grip the ball, and is he ready to play, and are we maybe going to hold him off a little bit just to see how much magic is left in the tank for Cooper Rush. Here's Jones yesterday trying to navigate through this process as he comments on Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott excuse me, potentially returning this weekend against the Rams. Well, I know that uh, it's better, uh, and I know that uh, he's going to go out there every day and make progress toward being able to grip the ball. Uh, I don't know that you could ask for better news, uh, technically, physically, and uh, uh, how uh, it's uh, responding, at, uh, uh, how it's healing, so to speak. Is he able to grip the football now? Uh, no, not well enough to uh, uh, play. So is there an amount of games or, or a record or a win streak that would change the plan this year? No. 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 I think uh, we've, uh, uh, as I see it right today. Mm. As I see it right today, that's the beauty of silence, of not saying anything, because Jerry will eventually – amend what he said any number of wins from cooper Cooper rush that can change your plans no well maybe (laughs) (laughs) today no tomorrow get back to me you know it's funny that's the morning show sean and rj right because i'll go on there from time to time he'll do the morning show and then the mid-morning show and every time he does the morning show it sounds like they woke him up when they called him it cracks me up every time. He's got that deep voice. Yeah, it's, it's still raspy, know? like he's just drinking yeah, a sip yeah, of his coffee yeah. and getting going yeah, there. Like, right. like, no, like he's literally in bed when the phone rings he might for be. the spot. And I got to admire the fact, I mean, look, this is the ultimate carnival barker. He's on that station twice per week. He's giving the people what they want. That's their flagship station. I'm sure it's part of their deal. But th- this is what he does. He he He's hyping up his product. But, Chris... Look, I I think he wants to let it ride as long as Cooper Rush's hand is hot. Dak's hand isn't healed as long as Cooper's hand is hot. And then the moment it starts to cool off, that's when Dak's going to be fine. And they're trying to hold Dak off long enough to just let's see. We got the Rams. Let's see. Let's just see. And it'll take care of itself. If he can't move the ball against the Rams, then it's done. Then you got the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Right. let's, Let's see. Let's just see. Well, and, and I say this all the time, starting quarterback, you got a backup who's 100%, you got a starter who is somewhere under 100, right. and he's getting better, and he's getting better, and he's getting better. Right. At what point is starter under 100? At what number? Yeah. Is it better than backup at 100? Yeah. And the problem is, backup at 100 is playing so well that the ceiling for the starter to come back is getting higher and higher. Right. Well, yeah, the ceiling's getting higher, and then what's the what's the point of like the desperation or to pull the pull the trigger to make that move? I think to what you're saying, Mike. I think that's the big thing too, right? Like, why? 
You know, what's why, why rush him back and then have him miss maybe a handful of throws in the football game in a big game Russell against Wilson the Rams? last year. Right. Hey, hey, Dak, look at what Russell did last year. He rushed back, and he was never effective the whole year. Never. That's the best argument they can make to Never. Him. Into the fact where it almost actually led into this year early in the year. Where people, oh, maybe he's just not the same guy anymore. You know, and that because that gives you a jump off point. There's too many visual things we saw last year that we didn't like from Russell Wilson. So one, you have that public perception that could possibly go the wrong way if you're Dak Prescott. Two, like you're saying, Cooper Rush is playing well. Three, like I, we said this at the time of the injury. Remember with the thumb. I mean, I, I think I mean the thumb is the most important finger gripping and throwing a football. If you can't spread that thumb out and grip the ball, then you're not going to be able to control it, throw spirals, you know, oh, body's in an awkward position. Now I need to kind of flick it with my hand and my wrist. Wait, forget it. You can't do that because you can't flick it because your your thumb is not capable of gripping the ball or controlling it that way. So that's where I just, I don't see the point in rushing it back, let alone if it's, hey, things, the progress is good and all that. You know, like we talked about yesterday, you know, what? Why the rush? Let's. The bigger picture here is Dallas has shown us that they're legit. They're good. Let's not throw it all out the window here just to rush Dak Prescott back for a Week Five Rams football game. Cooper Rush has been good. It has been good. But in reality, if Dak, like I said yesterday, if Dak Prescott had played this way with these numbers, and they were three and one. People would go, is something wrong with Dak? What's wrong with the Dallas offense? So, you know, that's where the perception's not meeting the reality here. Yes, Cooper Rush has been good. Uh, Cooper Rush had plenty of mistakes in this game against Washington. Like I said yesterday, too, he threw two interceptions. He got lucky there was a penalty. There was plays to be had on the field in the Giants game. You know, here's the numbers there. They don't blow you away. The defense won the game against the Bengals. All right. It was 7-6 in the second late in the second quarter and they were losing to the Washington Commanders in this one. So, you know, I I'm, I'm a little sick of the hype. I understand it. Uh, I'm hi- I'm sick of the hype around Cooper Rush and people making it a big deal, but at the same time I want to go, let's not rush him out the door just because Dak's finger is feeling better, his thumb is feeling better. There's no rush. Things are going good. They're going to need Dak. That's the one thing I want to keep pounding in people's brain. They're going to need Dak if they want to make a big Super Bowl run. Yeah, these victories now are just a way. And look, they need the wins. The Giants are 3-1. and one. The Eagles are 4-0. and oh. They got to keep up yeah. with the pack right. in the NFC East. Although they're in good position to get a wild card berth, even if they would finish in third place, but they need to keep winning games. They're winning games without Dak, which we didn't think they would do. Remember, that injury happens week one, Sunday night. Oh, crap. Oh, Cowboys gosh. are screwed. Right. Six to eight weeks, Cowboys are screwed. Right. And then you hear six to eight weeks, no six weeks, no four to six weeks, no four weeks. They were trying to will this into some sort of a miracle because they were concerned they were screwed. And then right. what happens? They beat the Bengals. Right. Oh, whoa, how about that? And then they beat the Giants. Oh, how about that? And then they beat the Commanders. Well, how about that? And now they, they roll the dice against the Rams, and I don't think Dak Prescott's going to play. I think they've recognized they have a cushion not. now, yeah. and they can see what happens, and they can let Dak heal because they're going to need him for the stretch run. You'd rather have him be 100% in the stretch run than come back at less than 100% and potentially impair himself and not be 100% or as close to it as possible yeah. for the stretch run. Because that's that's the thing. Strive to be in contention 
when December 1 rolls around and then you you put it in overdrive. And that defense is remarkable. That's Only the other thing, Mike. The 49ers right. and the Cowboys have kept a team from scoring 20 points this year. And Shereen Williams, who has been a Cowboys fan her whole life, I believe, pointed out to me on Sunday, the Cowboys, for the first time since 73, have given up this kind of point. The fewest in four games since that year of 1973, back in the days of the doomsday defense, back in the days when everybody was playing great defense because the rules hadn't relaxed yet to make it easier for offensive to move the ball through the air. So the, the, the Cowboys are a little out of whack from a balance standpoint because right now it's all defense or mostly defense, but the offense is doing enough. Right. Dak comes back 100%. You may have a team that is as balanced right now as the Eagles are. It, it, exactly right. I, you know, I, I think that's the point. I mean, we, we knew Dallas' defense was better under Dan Quinn. I, don't, I didn't expect it to be like this. I did not. You know, Dan Quinn, I mean, he's I'm, – I'm amazed about what he's doing. I mean, he reinvented himself. I know we've had this discussion a few times, but, yeah, they're opportunistic. They're talented. They're creative. They can rush the quarterback with four, and they can also be creative and stress out your protection and, and cause mismatches that way too. So, yeah, they got a lot of things working for them. Their offensive line is showing that it's – you know, even without Tyron Smith is – is is better than I expected. You know, there's enough of a run game. But I think, you know, de the defense, like you're talking about, a little balance, and Cooper Rush not making any major mistakes to this point is the way they're winning the games. And they've been lucky in the way the schedule has fallen out here, too. I know the Giants are 3-1. and one. I don't think any of us expect them to keep up this pace and be a real juggernaut in the NFC. Washington, I think, is stinky, sucky, ducky, stinky, dinky. That's not going to change all year. And Cincinnati, they caught them at the right time with trying to figure themselves out early in the year. But at some point, they're going to start to play teams, whether it's the Eagles later in the year or better football teams, where they're going to go, wait, we can't just – win a game 17 to 14 or 20 to 16. We are going to need now our quarterback to make some big throws to Michael Gallup and CD lamb and plays that are outside the realm of, Hey, here's an open guy in the playbook. And that's where Dak Prescott's going to come in. And that's where, to your point, don't rush him back. Don't have the chance of him hitting his thumb this weekend. And then him being out for another eight weeks. Let's just play it out. You got a good football team. It's not worth the, the risk right now. They've got, uh, a couple of tough games coming up. Yep. At the Rams, at the Eagles. That Eagles game, that's Sunday night football. Oh, no, I, mean, I know. Contractually required to hype the NBC games. We no, don't but really that's, need to try that's to hype one. that one. Right. That, that, that's, yeah, that's a good, that's one, that's one that uh, you put a big star on that one. Although we know that. I think we could have some presence the on the field in the pregame for that one. And that's, that's how big that's getting right now. You might see Maria Taylor and Jason Garrett down on the football field for that one. I'll be in studio. Whoa. That, that you one. know it's a big game then. L'Oreal's right. coming. Woo, right. baby. <laughs> Maybe I'll actually see you on Saturday night this time. But yeah, you will. Know. Come to the house. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll figure that out. Uh, Lions and Bears after that. So a couple of winnable games. Though with the Lions, who the hell knows? That'll, that'll test that defense, if nothing else. The right. Lions can score points. The problem is they can't stop teams from scoring. Then they got their bye. Then it's at the Packers, at the Vikings, Giants for Thanksgiving. So they, there's some games there. I was looking at the Eagles' schedule. Right. They've got a lot of winnable games. Yes, they do. And I know they're all winnable, but I'm saying, you look at it and say, well, that's easy. Well, that that's team's easy. clearly that's easy. better. That's easy. Right. That's easy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. Right. Like, big check mark, they're going to win this game. Right. It's Unless not even they mess a question. it up. Yeah. Right. right. 
And and the Cowboys got some games like that too. So we we got something going on here, and we got this Cowboys Eagles game coming up that I think is going to be potentially a great one, and maybe that's when Dak will be back. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be Cooper Rush one more time. Maybe they'll roll the dice and see what they can do with their defense against Jalen Hurts and company, even if they don't have Dak. Let's pivot to a guy we mentioned a few minutes ago, Russell Wilson. He had that finger injury last year that he just couldn't play through. We saw him for a decade play through anything and everything. There was a time where he had an ankle injury and a knee injury, and he just kept going and he kept playing effectively. Now he's got a shoulder problem. Here he is from yesterday talking about how that shoulder feels just now one day away from a Thursday night game against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, doing doing good, hanging in there. I think uh, you know you, you play a competitive game. You, you, you know you get you know banged up a couple times here and there, but uh, I'm excited. You know, obviously Thursday night. What a special what a special time. What an opportunity for us. Are you confident you'll be able to play on Thursday? Yeah, I'm super confident. Yeah. With a sore throwing shoulder, do you think you'll have any limitations in the game, especially since it's a Thursday night game? No, no limitations. Not just confident, but super confident. I don't know what the difference is, but he is super confident. And Mr. Unlimited was limited in practice yesterday in the practice they actually had. So, look, I don't expect him to not play. I just wonder, will he be able to make all the throws and will he be protecting that shoulder against any further damage? And, uh, you know, will it be a factor against the Colts team that that we're we're beginning to conclude has a lot of issues, especially if they don't have Jonathan Taylor on Thursday night. Taylor didn't practice at all on Tuesday. He really wants to play, as every football player does, the question is, and he was very pragmatic about it, I'll either be ready or I won't be. And if you're not healthy, you can't play. And that's the bottom line, and that's one of the realities of drawing the short week, short straw. If it's an injury that maybe you could could have been ready for by Sunday and you're not ready by Thursday – well, that's when the game is. So there isn't anything you can do about it. No, there's nothing you can. You're right. I mean, I expect them to play. I mean, you know, when you throw around words like super confident or whatever, I mean, you're going to play. We know that. You know, how good is it going to be? I don't know. I mean, that's the big question because, like, a healthy Russell Wilson in this offense ain't been good lately yet. I mean, it hasn't been good other than what we saw in the second half of the opening game. And the opening game is one of those where, you know, you can kind of just throw it out the window. Anything can happen. You don't get a real picture. Other than that second half of that football game, we haven't had anything to speak of, of like Russell Wilson in this passing offense. So that's where it's just a little troubling too. You know, when I break him down and everything there, I mean, it, it, it's not great football play right now. It's not. It's one-on-one balls. That's all he throws. And if the first read's not wide open, then it's look at the rush and move around and don't do anything. There's lack of throwing down the middle. There's lack of getting off the first read and going like through systematic surgicality, right, Mike? Like, oh, wait, that guy's not open. All right, let me sit in the pocket, two, three, four. Okay, boom, there he is. There's none of that going on. So that's where the injuries like a little concerning is not the fact that, hey, I think he can play. It's just the play hasn't been that good. It's one drive against the 49ers. It's ugly as hell against the Houston Texans. The Raiders game, they had great field position throughout. And really started on the, 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 the Broncos side of the field, you know, a bunch of times. And it wasn't all that good either, other than a few one-on-one balls. So that's where I get concerned a little bit for Russell Wilson. Because he hasn't looked like the old Russell Wilson we're accustomed to seeing to this point. And now they have no Javante Williams for the rest of the season. Melvin Gordon's got the fumbling issue. Mike Boone is on the roster. They've added Latavius Murray. So they need some balance in the 
offense to open up the passing game. And, yeah, so far through four games, and I know there's a long way to go, Yeah, but there are a lot of Broncos fans that were expecting just plug-and-play like Peyton Manning, like all of a sudden, like, boom, it's going to just work from the get-go, and it's going to be the same guy we've always seen right out of the gates. And yeah. It's not no. the guy that we've always seen, and this is the thing that Russell Wilson wanted. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the straw that stirs the drink. And be careful what you wish for. Maybe Pete Carroll was right. Meanwhile, Geno Smith has been phenomenal. 77% completion percentage, 77.3, I think. Yes. Passer rating of 108 through Second four games. in football, I believe. The second best passer rating. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. So, uh, again, long way to go. But Broncos, underwhelming so far. And we get a chance to study them carefully on Thursday Night Football. Standalone game. It's football and it's on TV or something like TV. That's the best pitch I can make about that one. Thank God we're not contractually obligated to hype that one because that one, a little different than Cowboys-Eagles coming up in 11 days. On Still good. All right, Still some go. good storylines. And both teams well, well, are desperate. You know, it's, so. it's early season. Right. right. It's early season. It's not like this is a week 15. Yes, what the hell stinker. are we doing? Right. Right. And there are the potentially – although you know what's funny? You know what's funny? What? There, there were a lot of darts thrown at Jaguars Jets week 15, I believe it is. Yeah, whatever. I'm tuning in. That game, that game uh -huh. may be a little bit better That's right. than the naysayers were saying, the way those two teams are playing right now. That game may have playoff implications Whoa. by the time two teams that were supposedly had no chance right. in the AFC. Right. They may, they may be jockeying for some playoff position. When week 15 rolls around. I don't think that would be crazy. I mean, especially for the Jaguars. You know, the Jaguars, were, you know, they messed up some things in the game, and specifically Trevor Lawrence last week, but they were not outclassed by the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, as you know, we, we were, you know, they had plenty of chances to maybe control the game and even get back in it late in the football game. They got firepower and defense in the Jets the way, hey, you know, everybody, all everybody wanted to talk about was Kenny Pickett on Sunday, and Zach Wilson stole the show at the end of the day, you know. So that, that, too, is exciting to see. They got some offensive firepower, and their defense is better as well in New York. So you're right. That could, could actually have a, a meaning there late in this season that nobody expected. All right, we're going to try to divine some meaning from the first four weeks of the 2022 regular season. The good news with 17 games is we don't hear that quarter pole crap anymore. Isn't that great? I love that because it was never used properly. But four weeks in... We're going to do a game of word association with a handful of teams. We'll do that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. Football is family. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Sustainable? I think winning is sustainable for sure. I think we're going to have to play a little bit better against starting quarterbacks and if our defense isn't playing as well as they can. I thought their line, you know, seemed to open up some holes, and they kind of kept with some of that outside zone stretch stuff and some and some uh, some lead. But 
if we just get into a rhythm and start a little bit faster, we can alleviate some of the things. That's why I felt like we scored to make it 7-3. I'm thinking, we get this to two scores. Now they're one-dimensional. Now our pass rush is getting after them. So this way of winning, I don't think it's sustainable because it's just puts too much pressure on our defense. Yeah, I hate to do this, but every once in a while I have to exercise the prerogative to ask a very simple question about what we see from a press conference. Right. What the hell is he wearing? Was the- is that a cloak? Is it a poncho? I don't what know. The- is it a calling to Bill Belichick and cutting the what sleeves off a hoodie? <laughs> but there's sleeves. Like, it's layered. Yeah. You see the sleeves. Right. And then there's something over it. Like like he's like some like I think it's Sith a cut. Lord? I think it's a cut-sleeved hoodie with a shirt underneath it. Something of that. Well, yeah, I mean, it does look like he might pull out his, you know, saber and fight Darth Vader or like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It does. But he's about ready to pull out his ayahuasca. Well, he's also like a lot cooler than we are. And he's probably wearing something that's like, who knows, fashionably cool. And we just you and I don't know about it. I mean, I wear button downs and a hoodie. That's all I do. Hey, you're wearing shorts and a button down. (laughs) If that's cool, I'm very content to be a 57 year old square because I don't know what the hell that is. And whatever it is, he's too old to be wearing it. That's the other thing too. He's 38 going on 39. Oh, he's too not old to too old that. to wear that. Yeah, I actually, I don't, you know what? He's a superstar and he can pull it off. I got no problem with it. I actually don't think it looks all that bad. I'd like to see the rest of the outfit. I just, but yeah, I don't know. The whole, the, the whole thing seems weird. It's not even a hoodie. It's like, it's like, like uh, a hood on a cloak, like he's like he's uh, uh what's the the bad guy and not Darth Vader, but what's the the emperor, the emperor? Yeah, right, really right. Yeah, and then he's got a you know a neat little necklace emperor on Palpatine. there that Nerd. seems like it's fighting Nerd. off like you know bad spirits. I don't know what he's wearing there, but he's hey, well, it's not working. It's way. not working. It's not <laughs> enough to fight me off. Sorry, Aaron. All right, Packers identity word association through four weeks. Go, like. <sighs> Precision and execution, that's like their identity. You know, they're not explosive, they're not dominant, but they execute and they don't shoot themselves in the foot. I think that's the biggest thing we've seen right now. And again, like, you know, I think I I lean on what he says. Hey, is it sustainable? Yeah, they're going to beat the middle class and the lower class of football for the most part playing this way. They're not going to beat the better teams in football or get to where they want in the Super Bowl. They're not, not playing this way, not, not with lack of explosive plays and putting pressure on people, but yeah, precision execution. What do you, what do you say, Mike? I, I'm not going to go that far because that almost sounds like a compliment. I just say sluggish. That's what they come off to right. me as, I mean, that bears game. Yeah. The final score was 27, 10 closer than that Buccaneers. And I know the Buccaneers are a Super Bowl caliber team, but it just kind of felt like, you know, when you have one of those dreams and you're trying to run away from somebody and you, you feel like you're running in mud. Like, I feel like the Packers are in that mode where they're just running in mud. Like they just can't get going the way that they have been in recent years. And when you win 13 games every season, like Matt LaFleur has done in his three years as the head coach of the Packers, it creates an expectation that even if you start slowly, and they didn't get the crap kicked out of them week one this year the way they did last year, 38-3 to in Jacksonville against the Saints, the game that was relocated due to a hurricane. But they, they, they found the gas pedal, 
and I'm still waiting for them to find it. And and I don't know. Maybe it's just not there this year without Devontae Adams. No, I, I mean, maybe not. You know, I, I don't know either. I don't know if it's going to be. I, w- one thing I think that's going to have to happen and maybe that I look at to go, maybe it could happen, is we see what, you know, Do- Dobbs did last weekend. You know, he stretched the field a few times, and then hopefully they can start trusting Christian Watson to where if they can get the ball in their hands and be a little more scary that way, I think that's where I start to go, go, ooh, this team can go from different from just precision, game-managing execution to, whoa, you want to play this defense and try to stop their run and you're going to be one-on-one with Dobbs and, and Watson on the outside? Good luck. You know, So that's where there's some potential here. But it's the same as of right now. It's a little bit like I was saying last year. You know, it just I, you're you're just not going to beat some of the better teams in football, thinking we're going to play a game where we don't make a mistake. That that's my biggest problem, and and it's got to be about making plays and putting pressure on a team. And that's why a team like the Patriots, who are, shouldn't be in their class, hang around with them. Because they don't make plays or big plays to ever put you away. And they let everybody hang around. There they were dominating the Bears. There we were on the one-foot line going, whoa, the Bears are going to score here. And it's going to be 24-17. So that's what's scary about the Packers. And I think the, the, the one big thing that they got to fix. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that is among the favorites in the NFC to advance to the Super Bowl. Had a great run last year. Won it all two years earlier. What is their identity through four weeks this year, Chris? I think still finding one. That's that's where I feel like it's it's like it's not found yet in searching pro in the in process of searching for it. And I think they're in a little transition period where we've discussed a little from no brisket, no biscuit to wait. We want to run the football a little bit more, be balanced that way, play action pass. And, you know, play through the defense a little bit more. And I just don't think they've gotten there quite yet. I think they kind of know what they want to be, but maybe they just haven't, you know, put it all together. So uh, I still look at them as, like you just said, one of the more dangerous teams in the NFC and one of the more dangerous teams in football. But I don't think they're playing to their tip-top potential yet. And uh, they're trying to kind of find their way still. You came dangerously close to bogarting my line there. No risk it, no biscuit. I say no risk it. That's what they want to be. Yeah, That's I hear what they you. want to be under yeah. Todd Bowles. Yeah. They want to be no risk it. They want to be run the ball and play defense. But when you're minus three against the Chiefs, that kind of throws things out of whack a little bit. And when your defense gets torched for 41, that's when it the problem. been dominant all right. year long, that's a problem. And you know what's funny? Last year, or last year, last week, slight difference. Last week, as they were preparing to deal with the hurricane and they had to relocate to Miami, Tom Brady said, hey, that can't be an excuse. We've got to focus. We've got to put our work in. No excuses here because our routine is turned upside down. Last night on the Buccaneers Radio Network, Todd Bowles mm, making excuses for the performance on Sunday night, blaming the preparation impairment due to the hurricane, the Noah's Ark effect with all the animals and the family members that were in the hotel. And I guess before the game, there were players on radio in Tampa talking about how loud it was, kids running around all over the place. They just couldn't prepare like they ordinarily would. So no amount of comments by Tom saying no excuses for not being ready. It didn't matter. They weren't ready. And that was a factor. And you know what? I wish I'd articulated that. And maybe I did last week. That was one of the reasons why I picked the Chiefs. Yeah, you were you smart got the Buccaneers too. turned upside down. Right. They're turned upside down last week. And right. Now, 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 maybe Tom could have pulled him through it, but apparently he couldn't. So there's still, like you said, it's still in process. 
And they're t- and they're two and two. They, you know, we saw them two years ago. They were hovering around five hundred near seven and five. five week in December, yeah. and off they went. Off right. they went. So they they're capable of that, but so far they're not. They're not doing what we thought they were going to do, Chris. No, they're not. They're they're hey, they're a little banged up, right? So they had Evans out for a week. Uh, the Packers game fell just right for the Packers, really. I mean, it really did. And the fact that Evans wasn't out there, they're driving twice. They you know, fumbled the ball when they're in field goal territory. They had some dumb penalties by some of the younger guys. So it's been a myriad of issues. And then last week, hey, you know, you, you, I mean, as soon as they fumbled the opening kickoff, I mean, anybody that's sitting in the control room with me at NBC heard me say it. I went, uh-oh, this is one of those where uh, the, they're, they're, the Chiefs are going to score in three plays, and then we're going to look up here in a few minutes, and it'll be 21 nothing or 21-3 Chiefs because they're just going to get all the momentum. And that's kind of what happened. You know, they went down and got a field goal drive. The Chiefs went right down and scored 14-3 to now. You know, three and out, Chiefs go score again, and you don't even get to play the game that you're talking about that they're trying to figure out, right? Now they're like, oh, crap, well, we got to throw the ball because Mahomes and company are on fire, and they had to play a game that I don't think they really wanted to play against Kansas City. Yeah, they got pulled into a game where Tom Brady threw 52 passes, injured his right shoulder, has that lingering ring finger injury on his right hand, although I don't know how critical that is to throw in a football. I've been meaning to ask you that, but that's like you were talking earlier about the thumb. I mean, the, the, the ring finger just seems to be a bystander as, as you try to grip the football and throw it, but still, he's got that. He's got that. It was on the injury report all week. He's got the shoulder now, which probably will show up on the injury report today, and he got banged up in that process of throwing 52 passes. Chiefs identity, the team that managed to go into Tampa Bay and win. What word do you associate or words with who the Chiefs are right now? Uh, can't miss TV. I, I mean, that, that's what they are to me. You know, I, you know, you know my other thing. I, I do think they're a team on a mission. I don't want to use that all the way here. But, I, but I, I will say that just can't miss TV is the thing that I look at them right now. I mean, they can just do it so many different ways. And they're fun to watch doing it. And they relish the big lights. And they relish, wait, we'll make big plays. Hey, week one, he's a machine against the Cardinals. Week two, it's ugly against the Chargers, but he makes two of the damnedest touchdown passes you ever see. Week three, they control the Colts, but just screw it up because they're careless and they're the Chiefs and they're just dropping balls and taking chances. And then week four, they're like, hey, wait, let's refocus. And then it's back to, you know, we're the greatest thing you've ever seen. And this guy making the damnedest plays you've ever seen out of anybody at quarterback position. I mean, get the hell out of here with some of these plays and throws he makes. You know, let alone the defense is opportunistic there. They don't get enough uh, credit for their physicality like we saw running the ball or stopping the run that you just mentioned a little bit. So, can't miss TV, but a team that is, you know, I think dangerously close here to playing at a very high level and certainly being one of the best teams in football. I'll say all about Mahomes. That's my official position. Okay, I like I wanna, that. Yeah. I want to peel back a little bit because yeah. I think I said this on Monday. I don't think I said it yesterday, and if I did, there's a chance it was in the first hour when you were ready to storm out of the studio <laughs> the building. because right. we couldn't, we couldn't uh, hear you. But Mahomes to me, and I'd never thought of this before. When I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the Harlem Globetrotters, and they had like a TV right. show, and it was always special. It was always the the world stopped spinning when the Globetrotters were on, and I went to see them a couple of times, and it was just in awe of the fact that these guys who were great basketball players were also wizards of, and you know, I didn't realize it was all rigged. That, but but they were still incredible with what they could do physically, and you know, they kicked the ball 
from the other end of the court and it would go into the basket. Just like weird stuff. Yeah. But it hit me when I watched that play. Like Patrick Mahomes is basically a globetrotter and anyone who tries to defend him is a Washington general. (laughs) That's kind of what it is. Like it's almost like they're in on it and they're not like they can't get like it's so weird because it's not like he's Michael Vick. Right. Where he's just so fast you have no chance. But he's so I don't know what it is. Pliable. But they just, he's, he's just it's like wherever you grab, he's gone. Right. He's got great and, quickness. And he's 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 good at running through arm tackles, and he's got great feel for reading the body mechanics of the guy coming to tackle him too, and making the appropriate move. Even though, to like your point, he's not the fastest. But oh wait, so I'll do a spin move here at the three yard line before I figure out what the hell I'm gonna do. And I'm, I'm with you, Mike. It's it's amazing. It it's is. it's globe trotterish, but it's not rigged. Right. That's what makes it so amazing. Right. But that that's that's what he is when he's healthy. Yeah. When he's healthy and he can do it, that's exactly what. Yeah. He is. I, I've, I've been saying Bills. like it's like watching Golden State at times. It's that yeah. kind of feel, right? It's it's I've said uh, Steph Curry with a spiral. I mean that play right there was like he was throwing a. It's like Steph Curry was throwing a half court alley oop pass to somebody dunking it. Like oh I'm dribbling through traffic and whoa there you go. But it was a touchdown pass. I mean, you're right. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. And it's, it's can't miss TV because of him and the way they play and their trick plays and all the other stuff that goes along with it. They're really showmen. That's what I love about Kansas City. They are showmen. They, they relish the big lights, the big moment, and just making plays. And it's, it's different because it's not like, you know, it's, un, it's the opposite of the Patriots that we've watched dominate football for 20 years, where it was execution on to Cincinnati. It's third and four. We have a 75-minute plan on how to execute third and four. They're kind of just like, hey, you go this way, you go that way. Mahomes make this crap up, and we'll make it happen. We're the Chiefs. And that's why they get we frustrated with them at times, but it's also why it's, it's awesome to watch. They're showmen, but they don't show off. It's yes, not deliberate. They have a good it's way. not contrived. You're it's right. all organic. It's all authentic. No That's doubt. just the way. We talked about it last week. That's just the way Mahomes is. Like, that's how he's wired naturally, and it makes it more compelling. And you lean in when he's doing his thing. And he just does it in a way that no one else does it. No one does it in a way that looks the way he's doing it and it draws you in more than any other quarterback yeah. currently. I don't care who it is. Kyler Murray, I don't care how fast you are, I don't care what physical skills you have. There's something about and I think you hit the nail on the head. He's got a great sense of how his body can move in relation to where everyone else is and he knows what to do to just stay a half step ahead of them. Right, right. No matter what's going on and it's just this jumble and it's 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 great to see, but yeah. it's all about Mahomes, especially now that Tyreek Hill is gone. All right, the Buffalo Bills, who have a pretty good quarterback of their own, and Josh Allen, who can make some magic. What's their identity through four weeks? Well, I mean, it's just funny how you're talking there, because like Allen gives you those same feelings, but it's a different way, right? It's like not as cool, but every, we're always like, oh my gosh, how did he make that play? Oh, eh. but it's it's maybe more from a. It's not traditional. I don't want to. I don't know what it is. How you want to say it? It's it's still amazing and a, a, an unreal to watch, but not the same style as Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, gosh, I don't know where to go here. I, I'm gonna go team on a mission. All right, that's what I'm gonna say. That's that's what they look like to me. You know, I almost want to go. I was almost gonna go team on a mission part two with the the Chiefs because I, I feel that way. Or you're all about Mahomes. I almost wanted to go. Well, it's all about Allen because that's what they are too. 
You know, it's funny. There's there's some similarities between these two kings of the AFC, in my opinion. But I just do feel like they're a team on a mission. There's nothing that's going to stop them. Oh, what? Half our starters are out against the Dolphins? Don't worry. The Dolphins are one of the best teams of football. We'll hang in there and outplay them and, you know, find a way. Okay, we lost that one. So what? Hey, we're down 20-3. to three. Uh, Screw that. We'll play the right defense in the second half, and Allen and company, and we'll we'll get it done. It might not be pretty, and that's where I'm going to stay with my theme that you've been hearing me say all year. Team on a mission there in Buffalo. My twist on it is urgency to dominate because I go. think they yeah. don't want close games. They don't want 13 seconds. They don't want coin flips in overtime. They want to kick the crap out of you each and every week. The first two weeks they did it. The third week they died trying. And Right. Ken Dorsey blew a gasket and a fuse. <laughs> he killed the tablet. Oh, uh, my God. It was and amazing. Then last, and what, that's what made week four so impressive. They're down 20 to three, and eventually the dominance kicked in, and they were able to do whatever they needed to do. But I think their goal is to beat you into submission each and every week, and they're talented enough to do it. But they need to do more of it if they truly want to be that team that emerges from this scrum with the one seed. I mean – I, I think that, you know, if uh, how different it would be if the road to the Super Bowl went through Buffalo, if they could find a way to not have to go back to Kansas City again for what hopefully will be an inevitable matchup between those two teams in the AFC Championship, play it in Buffalo, not in Kansas City. That may be the way to punch the ticket. Not that it'll be 51-3 to like it was when they beat the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl the first yeah. time when they lost to your dad's Giants. Right. But – Anybody that's coming to Buffalo is going to have a hell of a time in January, especially with the season pushed back a week now, and it's even deeper into the winter in Buffalo when they'd be playing those games. Oh, I know. Oh, gosh. Please happen. Oh, football gods. Oh, football gods. Please let that happen. Because I also, I just go, Kansas City's not going to give a crap or give a shit if it's cold out in Buffalo. They're going to go, it's cold here in Kansas City. Mahomes loves it. Right. Oh, it's snow. You're right. They're both going to be like, what, you threw a laser through the 50-mile-per-hour blizzard? I can do that, too. I I just, please, please, football gods. Gosh, that would be unbelievable. It really would be. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It just feels like it's going that way. It's still... I know there's a lot of football left here, but it seems like both those quarterbacks are on a mission. Both the head coaches are on a mission. Both defenses want to be better than they were last year. You know, there's just a, a lot of similarities between both of those teams that, that seem like they match up. And what I worry about, I've said this before, but I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Yeah. Divisional round. One of those two teams yeah, gets caught not sleeping. being properly focused, right. and we have that game disrupted because somebody's thinking ahead to what's coming next week. That's going to be critical for those coaching staffs. If we do have it line up that way, that it's Bills hosting somebody and the Chiefs hosting somebody and the winners play the next week, I hope that they stay focused and we don't lose out on that game. Obviously, there's going to be two other teams involved that want to keep us from enjoying Bills, Chiefs, and the AFC Championship. All right. Uh, By the way, we should have like a scorecard for S-bombs. I've been good today because you shamed me by I saying know. how there's a. I know. A and I've got two building. at least so far. <laughs> I, I I can remember. Well, there was one just now that made me think. There was I've one been earlier. good today. I've said crap a couple of times, and I'm going to try to I'm going to try to ride that out for the rest of the day. Try may be the operative word there. Ravens identity. How do you see them? 
Gosh, well, I, it just—it's funny, really. I mean, this is what, you know, I, and I'm just changing the subject a little, but it just you know, Chiefs—we could go all about Mahomes. Bills—we can go all about Allen. Ravens—we certainly could go all about Lamar. I mean, that—that's to me why they're in you know a little bit of a class of their own right now, and to a degree because everything about the team is really dictated through the quarterback and the pressure he puts on the other team. And that's how they play football. But I think the thing I'll say, I'm not going to say all about Lamar. Let's erase that right there. Erase that. I'm going to say instead, um, past first running football team right now. I mean, that, that's what their identity is. They're built to run, but they, they have to, they win through the pass. And then they, they have yet to get the run game going. There was some, some lights flickering in the Buffalo game to where they opened up some holes and things like that. But still, everything is about Lamar throwing the ball, and if they do run it, it's about Lamar running the ball. I mean, that's where it, it's not connected as far as how they're built and the what they're doing on the field quite yet, and maybe that'll happen when they get healthy here on the offensive line and the running backs completely, and then they'll become really dangerous on the offensive side of the ball. But they're an offensive passing football team that was built to run and built to play defense, and the run and defense haven't showed up yet this year. Well, and, and that's why for me, I'm going to go back to a time when I was 19. You were three or four. Right. What year were you born? 1980. Okay, you were four. Right. Just about four. There was a very popular advertising campaign for a fast food restaurant, and the catchphrase was, where's the beef? And that just popped into my head as we're thinking about the Ravens, because that encapsulates what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah. You lift up the bun and the burger's not there. Right. They're not the team that we're used to. They don't have that, we're going to run the ball down your throat and we're going to step on your throat with our defense. It is all about Lamar, but he's the tiny burger when you lift off the bun. That's all they got. Right. That's it. Where are the rest? Of, where's the rest of the Ravens? Yeah. So, that that and it's amazing that they're – even contending at this point without a defense and without a running game other than Lamar. I, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I wonder what thoughts Steve Bashotti has in his private, quiet moments about whether or not he should just give Lamar everything he wants and fully guarantee the damn contract. Because they got nothing else right now. You take Lamar out of the mix. What? He's one of the worst teams in football. I, there's certainly, I don't think the defense is going to change. I know the, the Ravens are, you know, you could sit here and make a case and go, oh, they could be 4-0. and And I could also sit here and go, no, they could be 1-3. and I mean, if Mac Jones doesn't do some stupid stuff in the New England game, that is going to be a nail biter. I mean, they weren't doing anything to stop that offense and Mac Jones and company. So you're you're right. I mean, it is. It's all about him. He's having his best. I, I think it's best year of his career. I do. Even because, and I know last week it slowed down in the second half, but the year he won the MVP, it was the offense and the style of play. It all caught everybody off guard. We had never seen anything like it. Now teams know what to expect a little bit, and we've seen a lot of teams run some of those quarterback run plays that they run. It's around the league, okay, but it's still it doesn't matter when Lamar runs it. I mean, he's still amazing, and then his drop back passing is is off the charts good, and that's where you know that's where I think Steve Biscotti can can maybe you know have a little comfort in the fact that like ooh this contract might be risky with Lamar. You know, I, I think he's proven to you that. It ain't going to be that risky. Lamar, when he can't run 4-3 or 4-4, four, four, 
It's still going to be mobile and elusive, but he's showing you that he can dice people up in the in the pocket. And I mean, it's not like he's got weapons galore. I mean, it's him, Mark Andrews, and Rashad Bateman from time to time. It's not like it's the greatest show on turf here either. So uh, Lamar's been phenomenal, and you're right. It does seem like he's the only thing going, and their defense is a big-time concern. I, I, I have ventured down the where's the beef rabbit hole. I, 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 it was such a big deal. Well done. Well done. Oh my there God. it is. I don't know. That's I don't it. remember this one. You know, I, I'm this, sorry. You, you know, it's, on, yeah. it's on YouTube. It was a Wendy's commercial, and I, I'm reading the description. First airing in 1984, the original commercial featured three elderly ladies at the home of the Big Bun, examining an, an exaggeratedly large hamburger bun. The other two ladies poke at it. They exchange bemused comments. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. It's a big fluffy bun. One of the ladies lifts the top. A comically minuscule hamburger patty is revealed, and... The lady on the right says, "Where's the beef?" <laughs> that, was, that was that was just that was huge in 1984. Trust us, back in the days of Max Headroom, when the guy who currently looks like Max Headroom was four years old and pissing on the grass outside his mom's front door, that was a big deal. Where's the beef? Let's take a break. After further review for Week Four, coming up when PFT Live, not presented by Wendy's, presented by Google Pixel, continues. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. 